Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. I will be reading from, from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, it the preaching that I bid thee. And so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of, of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. I had that passage read tonight for this reason. Everybody in this room needs to be familiar with this part of Jonah, and, and I know that you, we all have some knowledge of Jonah But the first chapter, the first couple of verses, are very similar to the third chapter, the first couple of verses, that we just read. What's interesting about that is that the second one comes after all the things we think about Jonah. So God said in chapter 1, go preach to Nineveh. And instead, Jonah goes and he boards a ship to Tarshish, and he's running away from God. He does not want to preach to Nineveh. And God sends a great fish, swallows Jonah, and Jonah repents. He changes his mind. And then we get to chapter 3, and again, you have this sort of a duplication. And again, it says, the second time God said to Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. Now, what I want to emphasize is the second time. The second time. When I think about Peter, when I hear Peter's name, I don't first in my mind go to when Peter denied the Lord. I don't. don't. My mind probably first goes to Acts 2 and Pentecost and Peter doing this amazing job preaching with great courage at the beginning of the church. When I think about Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, the first thing I think about is not Acts 7. That's not, what, that's not what comes to my mind. First, where Saul holds the garments of the people who are stoning Stephen. I mean, I know that happened, but that's not what comes to my mind first. What comes to my mind are the passages of, of leadership and of great strength and of courage and Galatians chapter 2, where Paul is willing to stand for what's right no matter what. And all that he wrote. I think about the last, uh, down in Second Timothy chapter 4, and I'm ready to be offered the time of my departures at hand, and I think about the great faith of Paul. I don't think about, I don't think first about the stoning of Stephen. Now, what these three things have in common is this. It, it's that, that's what I want to talk about tonight for the next few minutes and launch us into our week, is that Christianity is a land of beginning again. Now, I don't, I don't read too many poems in my preaching. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just never have done much of it, but I want to read one tonight. This is from Louisa Fletcher. The name may not mean anything to you, but she wrote this in the beginning of the 20th century. 
Louisa Fletcher had had a real rough life. And she, uh, she married a man who was a, we- a well-known poet, but he was a desperate alcoholic and made her life miserable. Their, life, or their marriage ended in divorce. And soon she married another man with whom she had a child. But that child was born with mental problems and schizophrenia. And when, when she was 16, she took her own life. It was after that that Louisa wrote this poem, The Land of Beginning Again, and soon she passed away. She didn't live long after writing the poem. I just say that as a background of of this beautiful poem, The Land of Beginning Again. I wish that there were some wonderful place called The Land of Beginning Again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. I wish we could come on it all unaware like the hunter who finds a lost trail. And I wish that the one whom our blindness had done the greatest injustice of all could be at the gates like an old friend that waits for the comrade he's gladdest to hail. We would find all the things we intended to do but forgot and remembered too late, like praises unspoken, little promises broken, and all of the thousand and one little duties neglected that might have perfected the day for one less fortunate. It wouldn't be possible to not be kind in the land of beginning again. And the ones we misjudged and the ones whom we grudged, the moments of victory here, would find in the grasp of our loving hand clasp more than penitent lips could explain for what had been hardest we'd known had been best and what had seemed loss would be gain there isn't a sting that will not take wing when we faced it and laughed it away and I think that the laughter is the most what we're after in the land of beginning again so I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Now, I think that's a beautiful poem. It makes me think about one of the most beautiful facets of Christianity. And if I ask you what that was, you'd probably say forgiveness. And of course, you'd be right about that. What is it that draws people to the cross? And the answer is forgiveness. It's about being able to begin again in the eyes of our God. There are five words that I want to show you tonight which emphasize beginning again. I don't don't presume to think that you're unfamiliar with these. I just want to put them together in a group. Five words, important words, that underscore beginning again. Here's the first one. New. This one's obvious, I think. So Romans chapter 6 says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, ready for this? Even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, I'm telling you, there's something according to that passage that is brand new when we come up out of the waters of baptism. Now, what is that? And the answer is the way that God views our sin. Because we're starting over. We're starting anew. Our sins have been forgiven. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, then, if any man be in Christ, that means a Christian, old things are passed away. Behold, are you ready for this? All things are become new. I love that. In this life, sometimes we get new things, and we rather like that, but they grow old. Here's something that's new. And if you walk in God's light, 1 John 1 and verse 7, what's going to happen is that that you continue to have the forgiveness of God. And when you came up out of the waters of baptism, the Bible says that you became new. You might say, began again. Here's the second word. Remission. Remission is a Latin word. It comes from a Latin word which means to send back. That may not seem very sensible to you in connection to what you think about the word remission, but that's the etymology of the word. It means to, to send back. And the idea is that I made a debt. You know that sin is often described in Scripture as a debt. I made reference in a sermon recently to the two, the two different accounts of the model prayer in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Luke's account says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. I, I made a debt when I, when I sinned the first time, a debt that I couldn't pay. And, and this means to send back. And the idea is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that that document that I received that, that is a bill for what I owe and cannot pay, I can send it back because it's already been paid. I send it back. When you talk about the beginning of the church in Luke 24 and 47, the church was started with the promise of remission, the ability to send back the sins, the, 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 the reality that your sins can be forgiven and forgotten and you can begin again. So, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, that in his name remission, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now you can tie, you can draw a line from there over to Acts 2.38, and there's repentance and remission of sins for people who obey the gospel. They're baptized. And it was built on remission. It was built on this very idea about beginning again. That the sins that have, that have up until now have, have defined me, that will no longer be true. Well, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that there won't still be consequences after I repent of my sins, after they're forgiven. We often have to live with the consequences of sins even though God has forgiven us. This is about how God views us. We start again. We start anew. Here's the third word. Now, this one and the last three actually are a collection that come from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And you're familiar with this passage beginning in verse 9. Let me read the passage, and then we'll touch on the three words of our five. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a very strong statement, and it's very specific. It's very explicit. Here are sins that will keep a person out of heaven. But then listen to the next verse. And such were some of you. I mean, in your imagination right now, run your, run your eyes across that congregation in Corinth. 
and, and hear the apostles say, so you, you, were, you were involved in these things. There were people in this church involved in these things. And then he says, but Christians, you're washed and you're sanctified and you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every one of those has to do with the land of beginning again. Here's the first one. And you were washed. You're washed. Now, everybody in this room who's an adult, and most of you teenagers, uh, know times in your life when you have really wanted to wash. I still change the, uh, my own oil in the cars. I, I, I don't know. I, Paul has encouraged me to stop that. And Tommy has made me promise, Tommy Barkley has made me promise we made a covenant together uh, a few years ago when someone was injured getting under a car. And so we made this vow together that we would never get under a car without those jack stands. Right, Tommy? Okay. And I've never broken my word to you. I never have. I always put it. Sometimes I get mad about it. And I think about you and it makes me mad because it takes more time to do that. But I always do it because I promised. I like to change my own oil. But I'll, I'll usually get it on me. Sometimes I bother to wear gloves, and mostly I don't. But I, I come, and I, then I, after that, I walk like this till I can get them washed. I don't want to touch anything with that old motor, motor oil on my hands. And I, I, I use special soap, and I get it all off. I can't wait to get it cleaned off. You know what it's like to feel dirty? Of course you do. Of course. You, you guys like to cut wood sometimes? I mean, you, you, what, what do you do that, that really, really... What if, what if you got really, really in need of a shower... And there was no water for a week. Once you put yourself there, what would, how would that be? What if it was two weeks and you couldn't? You had no place. Now tell me how you feel. I mean, you feel terrible. Can't wait to get cleaned up. Cannot wait. Now see, that concept is used here because dirt is to the body what sin is to the soul. And that's why, and I mean, he's feeling like this. David is feeling like he needs washing in Psalm 51, 7. And he says, as you know, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. I want to be clean. I want to know clean again. What's that? It's the, it's the world of beginning again. So in 2 Kings 5, Naaman's got leprosy. And Elisha says, go down and dip seven times the river Jordan. And he comes up and he is clean. But I'm going to tell you something. Sin is a whole lot worse than leprosy because you can live. You may die early, but you're going to, you, you can go to heaven with leprosy. You can't go to heaven with your sins on your soul. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to start over. You've got to have remission. You've got to be washed. And so that's why in Acts 22 and 16 about baptism, he says it's about connecting with the blood of Jesus. And it's in the waters of baptism that we make contact with that blood. And now why are you waiting? He says, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so... Tonight, our third word for the land of beginning again is wash. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, or 10, 11, you were washed. Here's a second word in that list, and it's number four. You're sanctified. You're sanctified. Can you bring it up? There we go. Now, when I, when I use the word sanctified, most of you would define it in the, the, the common way, which means set apart for holy purposes. I'm good with that. I think that's a fine definition. If you go to Strong's, here's, here's more of what you're going to get. To separate from profane things and dedicate to God. Consecrate things to God. In this case, it's a person. How do you learn how to do that? 
John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. The more you get in touch with the word of God, the more you study the word of God, your faith builds. But also what happens is you're set apart for holy purposes. You, you know more and you do more in the service to your God. Then it means to purify, to cleanse externally, to purify by expiation, free from the guilt of sin, to purify internally by renewing of the soul. You know what you call that? Sure. This is the land of beginning again. And the word is sanctified. And he says to these people in Corinth, he's looking over this crowd in in his imagination, his memory, and he says, let me tell you all the things, the sins that will keep you out of heaven. There's more than this, but this is a rather egregious, strong list. And he says, and such were some of you. You were, but you're washed and you are sanctified. And here's the third one, and, and it's the last one on our list for tonight. And you're justified. The fifth word which expresses beginning again in Scripture, is justified. Justified. There are three words I want to show you, which, I, which are as close to this, this biblical word. Let's go to the next slide, as, as I think we can get. The, my my favorite, favorite one is the last one. I think it suits it the best about what it means. If you look it up in the Strong's Lexicon, Justified means to render just or innocent. It means to start again. It means I messed up. It's, 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 a, it's a court of law. It's a, it's, a, it's a term of law. And you would go to court and you're guilty. And, and what's going to take place there means that you're going to walk free. And what happens there is going to mean that you get to walk free and not face that prison sentence or whatever it happens to be. That's what justified means, to render just or innocent. And so here are the words that we would more commonly use for justified, acquittal. And sometimes sometimes I'll use it synonymously with justify. It's not perfect, though, and here's the reason. With with acquittal, a a man may be just as guilty as he can be of some crime, some heinous crime, and he may be acquitted over some technicality in court. Maybe the officer didn't read him the rights properly or, or just some, some incidental thing. And he's guilty and he deserves punishment. But because of this incidental thing, he's acquitted. That's not what your justification is. That's not what, you, you're, you're not going to go to heaven on some technicality. You, you don't just get to skip over because of some incidental thing. You, you're going to go to heaven Because the price was paid. It was because the debt was paid, not because it was overlooked over technicality. Here's a second word, to vindicate. That's kind of close. To clear someone of blame or suspicion. Well, I I would say that that's that's good. That's good. But the best one is exculpate. Ex is Latin, and it means from and culpa, meaning blame. From blame. It doesn't mean the sin wasn't committed. It means that justified, I'm justified by the cross, and, and, and the price was paid for the sins. It's that, it's that I go to judgment, and it isn't going to be the case that the judge, who, by the way, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, is going to be Jesus. When you go to the judgment bar, you're going to be facing Jesus, which I just think is a, an awesome reality. The very idea that I can go when I am to be judged with all the, the world, and I'm going to be judged by the one who, 
who died for me. That's an amazing, awesome reality, isn't it? It's going to be justice. I mean, there, it will be God's justice, but it will be combined with His mercy. And, and it won't be that, that Jesus will say, now, Father, this was Glenn Colley, and, and he never committed sin. He never did. I want him in heaven because he didn't have any sin. That's not how it's going to be. And it won't be that way for you either, of course. What he's going to say is, uh, Glenn, Glenn made some terrible debts because of his sin. And I want to offer my blood in payment for that. And that will be accepted. And the, the debt then will be wiped away. It will be sent away. And that's remission. It will be sent away. And I will be justified. And justified means to render just or innocent. I wish, she wrote, that there were a land called the land of beginning again. Everybody in this room has experienced that. and Everybody in the room who's a Christian has found that land of beginning again. You might call the church that. That's what it is. It's, it's a place, it's a family of people who have begun again. And the fact is that, that it comes down to this. It, it doesn't mean that I, that I won't suffer any consequence for my actions. If you kill somebody and you're sentenced to go to prison for that act... You can, you can be justified and sanctified and washed, and you'll still have to go to prison. But what does it mean, the new thing? What's the new thing? It's Hebrews 8 and verse 12. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. It's about my relationship to God. It's about being right with God and how he views me and that he won't hold those sins against me. He will treat me as he did. He will view me as he did prior to the commission of those sins. And I can be new. Not my word. Now that's, that's the word of scripture. Because I come up out of the water and walk in newness of life. It's the land of beginning again. I'm so glad that you're here. Mm, it may be that you are not a Christian. And, and you're here and you've been studying the Bible and you've decided that you want a new life. I want to be a Christian. I want to wear his name. I want to be new I want the land of beginning again. And you can. There's nothing to stop you. You can make up your mind, I want to follow Jesus. And you can obey the gospel. You repent of your sins. That means I changed my mind about that. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to do my best to follow him every day. I'll be his disciple. Confess him. I believe that Jesus is God's son and will immerse you in water. Because Jesus said, if you do that, it will be in order to be saved. And maybe you're a member of the body, but you need, you need to make things right. I want to start over again. And First John chapter 1 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we can pray with you tonight, if we can, can um, encourage you tonight, we want to do that. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.